Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, and welcome to The Definitive Wrap. I am Bela Sebrow. Thank you to Five Towns Central for sponsoring this show. It is said that it takes a village to raise a child. Actually, it takes an entire community of people to provide by setting up resources so that those who are needy can benefit. The returns of doing that are tremendous, and it is the gift that keeps on giving. When people do well in life, it reinforces the strength of their families and helps establish healthy generations going forward. But in order for that to happen, it takes the creation of an innovative and idealistic visionary person. Our guest today, Shia Rubenstein, is the co-founder and executive vice president of the JCC of Marine Park since its founding in 2008 and co-founder of JCON since 2015. Working to bring community together, helping create opportunities for small business and individuals. The JCC and JCON serves the five boroughs of New York City. Shia, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. Hello, Bela. What an honor to be on your program. uh, The honor is mine to have you on here. You have done and are doing so much for society. And not just for one particular community, but for people at large. Personally, I'm well acquainted with one of your services, Project Machal, as I've organized the fundraisers for that project. Since many JCCs are typically places of recreation for a specific community only, please share with our audience what you envisioned before you founded the JCCMP. Thank you, Bela. That's a great question, and it's a very interesting one because I moved to uh, Marine Park in about uh, 2006, I believe. And when I came to the community, I felt that there was no collective sense of empowerment. So whereas, you know, people have issues, whether it be with potholes and parking and reaching out to legislators, I felt that there was no cohesiveness. And when I questioned it, people would tell me, um, oh, you can reach out to a JCC a few miles out, or you can reach out to some other nonprofits. But because I felt that the community at the time was growing and there was no collective empowerment where we had a voice, I decided, let me open an organization that would have brand recognition. It would be the community organization because it was a growing community. There were many shoals popping up. People were moving in at a rate of 200 families per year, oh, wow. but there was still no sense of community. So I, I was thinking, and I met with a few people, a few friends in the neighborhood, and we decided that we're going to open an organization called the JCC because it has instant brand recognition. Right. Everyone here is JCC. Now, it's important to keep in mind that there are two types of JCCs. You have a Jewish community council and a Jewish oh. community center. So when you go to New Jersey, Atlanta, Mexico, you have the Jewish Community Center where it's truly focused on daycare, healthcare, recreation, gym, a pool. Right. And I wanted to try to 
put those two together. So I figured let's start as a JCC, which is a community council. And then um, over the years, we've morphed into adding services and becoming a hybrid between a Jewish community council, but very, very close to a Jewish community center. And, um, and that's how it started in terms of Marine Park itself. And then fast forward as the community, you know, had more needs. And I felt that the cost of the infrastructure was the same to help Marine Park or all five boroughs of New York City. We just expanded from there. And that was until 2015, where I, um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, Rabbi Yehoshua Wordy, who mm-hmm. runs an organization called the Crown Heights Young Entrepreneur. Right. And we joined forces together to not only help individuals who need you know, jobs or social services, but why don't we focus on helping individuals who want to succeed either by adding human capital to their life to get a better job, to be worth more money in their job, or to help small businesses succeed. And that's why we founded an organization called JCon for Jewish conferences. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, so what types of services do you offer? So on the JCon side, it's really... Well, the J- um, let's start first with the, with the JCC. What do you offer at the sure. JCC? So the JCC of Marine Park is, um, like I mentioned, it's somewhat of a um, JCC, Jewish Community Council, and a center. So we offer the basics such as social services, um, free tax prep, um, like you mentioned, Project Muslim, which is our um, you know, food pantry. And then we have food assistance uh, before Yom Tov and people that have needs in the community, communicating with elected officials or other issues. They reach out to us as well. Then we have the part, which is a community center. So we have youth programs and girls programs and courses. We just built a state-of-the-art Jewish library that's going to be opening in two weeks. We have a Simcha Hall. So we have a lot of these type services. We have challah bakes. We have singles events, which we obviously did yes. with you. <laughs> and, that's how um, I became acquainted. So I, I, is it Project Machal or Project Mazon? So it's interesting. What happened is it started off as Project Mazon, and then an organization from California called me that they had trademarked the, the word Mazon, and they were going to sue me unless I changed the name. Oh, so oh I changed it under duress to Project Machal, but the people in the community still know it as Project Mazon, right. and on our website and everything else, it's known as Project Machal, so we still use both names just because... It became embedded in everyone's uh, mind. Right. So whom do you service? So some of the projects are, are for the community um, and most are not. So when it comes to social services or computer courses or free tax prep or the youth programs um, and many, many of the other programs, we service not only do we service Marine Park and all other Jewish communities, but believe it or not, we have many programs that specifically also service specifically minority communities. So let's say when it comes to teaching computer programming or, you know, whether it's QuickBooks, Excel, Word, public speaking, all these different, you know, uh, courses which help you get a job or help you get a better job. We have centers that are set up in Flatbush, Canarsie, um, we even have in Harlem. 
So wow. we definitely try to outreach not only to our community, Marine Park, or our Jewish communities, but we have a strong focus on trying to be a light to the nations and in the programs that make sense to try to service everyone. Obviously, when it comes to Pesach and food, you know, well, yeah. it doesn't pertain. But um, and then, you know, and then we have niche focuses as well. So this past week we did in Borough Park in the Palace, one of our JCon events. And we had 435 people attending. And that focus was really just to help people make a decision on career services. And we focused not only on the Marine Park Flabbish community, but we put a very strong emphasis on the Hasidish community of Borough Park in Williamsburg, because we felt that the product that we were going to help with would be of great benefit to that base. So mm -hmm. we're throughout we're all over the city, but every project has a different calling. Right. So I want to circle back a little bit to the social services. So do you have a staff of social workers? Do you have a staff? You said you also help people with their taxes. So what do you have a staff of, of, of accountants and, and social workers or do you do referrals? So we, we do both, actually. So we have somebody in the office who helps with tax prep. And they help you to uh, file your taxes. So they help you, you know, basically put everything together and then you click the e-file button or you just put it into the mail. Uh, we do have social workers and we do have um, someone in the office once a week, let's say that does, um, you know, Medicaid and food stamps. And we do have a social worker twice a week in the office um, that helps also with case management. And then when there are other things that we don't take care of, let's say people want Section 8 or immigration. Right. So we can either make the connection through the local congresswoman's office or we can refer them to another social service. Because right. what I find is, is that every organization cannot perform every task. Right, right. So, so every organization, even though we may all call ourselves COJO, JCC, at the end of the day, every organization chose the 10 or 20 items that they're going to focus on and they're good at. And they're really good at that. Everything else, you have to know when to refer to. Right. Otherwise, you can't be everything to all people or you're just not going to be able to. No, focus. of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So you just had a large summit for JCon. Oh, first of all, what does JCon stand for before you tell us about that? Sure. So JCon stands for Jewish Conferences because the focus of JCon is twofold. A, to give education through courses and otherwise. And then the second part is really to help small businesses succeed. Because there's so many people that go through the yeshiva system or just through life, you know, and when you go to school and high school and even college, they don't really prepare you for when you start a business and now you're looking to grow your business, what do you do? There's a lot of theory and there's a lot of teaching but at right. the end of the day, you open a business, just for argument's sake, you opened a business to do custom closets. And right. you purchase the material, you install it, you even have a helper. And just for argument's sake, you're doing $200,000 in sales. And as you're growing as a business, you start becoming aggressive and you do a million dollars in sales. But now your business is not custom closets because you're not installing anymore. You have people, office, infrastructure, cars, insurance, banks. You may be taking a line of credit. And you're trying to figure out, how do I turn a closet into a real business? Because right. you could be making a million dollars in sales, but you could be losing all your money because you don't know how to 
run a company, installing a closet is different than running a company and that pertains to anything. The same thing is also, you know, you go into the real estate business and you try to succeed, but you need to make those connections. People won't pick up your calls. How do you get that good mentor? How do you put yourself in front of that, you know, billion dollar company? So that's where we really come in to try to help the individuals get educated through a course and get a job or help the small businesses succeed. And JCon does, for the most part, conferences specifically to specific industries. So we have JCon Real Estate, JCon Healthcare, JCon Elder Care, JCon Architectural, JCon um, um, Amazon and e-commerce. And this past Sunday, we had JCon Parnassa Education and Career, which was specifically geared not for the small business, but for the people who want to figure out what to do, how to go about it, how to get that first job or how to leave their current dead end job and go into a real job with a path forward and a career forward. Right. I heard some wonderful things about it. Um, how did people find out about this? Do you do, you do this every year? And they're, they're on a mailing list. How do people find out about this uh, presentation? Sure. So we have a website called attendjcon.com. That's attendjcon.com. And that's, you know, pretty much where we have everything listed. Like we're working right now on the next JCon event. We have about seven of them a year. So the one that we're working on now is JCon Real Estate, which is going to take place on Tuesday, July 11 at the Hilton in Staten Island. And over there, the focus is helping people who entered the real estate industry within the last, let's say, five years. So it's not for people that are thinking of going into real estate, but let's say you are in real estate. And you want a mentor, you want to grow, you want to figure out where the deals are, you want to know what the industry is headed for, you want to speak with the people who have done two, three, five hundred million in business, whether it's mortgage, leasing, financing, syndication, management. So what we really have is a combination of two things happening at the same time. We have a total of 700 people who attend this event. Wow. Let's say 300 of them are people who just entered the industry. And the fact that they're mingling and networking with the other 400 who are seasoned professionals helps both sides. In addition, we hand select about 10 or 12 people who are very successful and can be doing anywhere between, you know, 50 million and a billion dollars worth of sales, whether it be in mortgages, development, syndication, management. And we have them come as mentors. So they sit at a table, and they actually make themselves available for the entire night that in 10 minute increments, you can actually come over to them, talk to them, speak to them, pitch them and get mentorship from them. And hopefully if you create the connection, continue that forward. So the idea really is, is that we have class, you know, seminars on what's happening in the real estate space and what to look forward to and keynotes and panels and, you know, now software, AI, anything pertaining to real estate and construction and development. And we also, you know, we'll bring, let's say, uh, besides for the regular speakers, we'll also bring, let's say, the commissioners of the building department and, mm -hmm. and the DEP because that pertains to the builders, developers. So we kind of try to make it well-rounded. So if you take the education, the networking, the mentorship, and of course, the great, great food, it really sets the stage to help people that are looking to grow to have a good place to, uh, to be successful. And, and that's what we're trying to accomplish at this 
specific upcoming event on real estate. Right. So I was also hearing a lot about uh, YU Global that was heavily advertised uh, with your, uh, in conjunction with your JCon event. What, what is that all about? So YU is visionary. They have their mission statement, you know, that they're catering to the modern Orthodox and they have their facilities in the upper uh, Washington Heights area. But they also came to the realization that, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have this scenario where you had Frum and Haredi and even Hasidish contemplating any form of education. But today... Times have changed. Yeah, so times have definitely changed and people are stepping forward. So there's maybe 5% of the people that took the initiative to go to college and become a CPA or become a special ed. But the other 95% are still old school where you open a business, you go to work, you learn the craft, you open your own, you work your way up. You know, so it's still the old mentality to a very large extent, whether it be 95% or 80%, but it's pretty high. So the idea was is that people are starting to look for alternatives, not to go to college, but how do I learn something? How do I figure out what I want to do? So so I spoke with uh, Daniela Wozniak, who is one of the uh, deans at YU, and we were working on this for the past two years, coming wow. up with great courses, because remember that Yeshiva University, they know their curriculum. They have great teachers. They just want to help the communities, not only of Washington Heights or of Teaneck, but they really want to have an impact in helping New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Now, not all let's say, yeshivish or chasidish or very right wing or from, or even for that matter, you know, single moms, anyone, not everyone is ready to make a commitment to go to college for one, two, four years. So what's the alternative? So we worked for the past two years to develop um, certificate courses that pertain to our industry. So whether it's management, nonprofit, um, an assistant to special ed, Um, working at a social service organization, computer programming, graphics, um, construction, real estate, e-commerce. These are very common um, parnassus that people in our communities will do. So the idea really is is that if you're coming out of kolel, yeshiva, dead-end job, part-time job, instead of you kind of just jumping into the next job, hoping that you're going to come, get paid little, work for six months or a year, learn the craft, and then you'll be an added value to the organization you're working for. Let's try to give you that, you know, one to six month course at a very reasonable rate. And not only that, but it will be administered either online or in your community. So if you live in Borough Park and Flatbush, Williamsburg and Muncie, we will have the appropriate organization administering the front end of the course to in sign certain you locations. up. Exactly. So if let's say you're a Hasidish, you may feel more comfortable being in Borough Park in a Hasidish yeshiva. Or if let's say you're, you know, if you're, let's say, a minority and you want to be, you know, in your community. So the idea is really to take all these courses, divide them up into what makes sense to each community, have local partner organization administer these programs and be the front end. And then yeshiva will do best what they do, which is to provide the curriculum and the teachers and teach the program. So it really benefits you as an individual so that once you take this course and you go to an employer, now you have something because A, you can show you have a certificate, but more importantly, 
let's say you took a course on construction and you know how to read plans and you know the difference between concrete and steel and this air condition and that air condition. So when you come for that first interview, you're automatically worth more than minimum wage because you know what you're talking about. So they don't have to babysit you for the first six months. Yeah. So that's the idea. And then to add the final cherry on top, we also were able to secure with the Free Hebrew Loan Society to actually give you an interest-free loan for whatever this cost course will cost. And then starting next year, let's say you pay back $200 a month, so you don't feel it and you don't have to worry oh, about financial aid that may not be available. Yeah. yeah. And some of these courses are not expensive. It could be, let's say a thousand or 3000 or $5,000. But if you take even a $5,000 course and next year you start paying, let's say a hundred or $200 a month back, right. you don't feel it because you have you the don't job feel it right. by then. Right. So that, so that was the premise and Baruch Hashem is starting to roll out in many different communities. Everyone is choosing the two or three or four that they want to, serve you know offer but it's yeah so we anticipate hopefully to have over 2,000 students after the summer amazing Shia I'm curious about your opinion on something I'm hearing more and more about industries hiring people who have achieved certificates for programs over those who have college degrees what do you think about that so it's interesting if we had this conversation 10 years ago no one would even listen to that question (laughs) But, but I don't think that was the case 10 years ago. I think I'm just, I'm hearing more and more about it. So I, I think at the end of the day, um, when it, college definitely has much less value, unless you want to be a doctor, an accountant, or a lawyer, and you must have the college, it definitely has less value for a few reasons. First of all, money is being made by so many young people in so many innovative and different ways. Right. And a lot of the people who are influencing the younger people on social media are all screaming that a college is a waste of time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're smart and you could take a course, when you walk into an employer, if they feel that you know how to use AI, you know how to use computers, you know how to be on social media, you have a good mouth, you have a certificate which get, or you have the knowledge of that specific industry to some extent, I don't think it's like years ago where they care, oh, where do you have an MBA from? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's similar to, let's say, you know, if let's say I came to a hospital for an interview and I want to work at the hospital. So if I'm 21 years old looking for an entry level position, they'll look at my resume and ask me what my GPA is or where I went to school. But if let's say I'm 40 years old and I'm a fundraiser for a nonprofit organization called the JCC and I raised. $50 $50 million to the organization and they feel I can be an asset. Do you think the question of where you went to school will even come up? You're no, right. You're because right. they don't care. Yeah. They want to know, are you going to help us? Yeah. So yeah. that's what could you why do for you us. Take... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you take a certificate program and you, or you just know combined with your, you know, the youth and your, you know, and, you know, and if, if, if it makes sense that you really can help them, they look much less on whether you went to school or it's really what can you do for me? And I've, I've seen it myself uh, right. so many times, you know, we help so many people with jobs and it's, it's so true. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, do you think that artificial intelligence will replace human intelligence? In other words, will Al take the place of human employees? 
So I think it's a, it's a very good question in the sense that it's something to put on your radar. But the way I view it is, first of all, it's definitely frightening to see how fast and cool AI is and BARD is and ChatGPT is. And, it's, and not, not only that, but it's growing at a very fast pace. Um, and I do think that it's going to replace some things. But the way I view it is I think that it's going to be an enhancing tool for us. Because if let's say you want to succeed in real estate sales, let's say you're a real estate broker. So instead of you feeling that someone took your place, you can tell the same AI, the same AI to, um, you know, do research of all the houses for sale by owner between 400 and 600,000 in zip code 11111. And it's going to help you succeed. So instead of worrying if my job is going to be replaced, the question is, how can I make my life better by using AI? And I don't think it's really going to replace everything, but there may be some specific items where it will replace, but I think it can really enhance your life. I actually was going to do a bar mitzvah. Uh, I was going to speak at a bar mitzvah a few weeks ago. So I told ChatGPT to please, you know, write me a 200 word um, speech with this boy's name, thanking his grandfather at this day, at this place. And, you know, it took five, six seconds. And it, and I even wrote which parsha, And it spit out, you know, in five seconds of speech. Now, it took maybe a little modification. But, you know, to have a, almost a pre-made speech in five seconds uh, was very, very cool. But it still required the human part to tell them. So it's definitely going to hurt some jobs. But I think it will do more good than you know, and help a lot of people that can succeed much greater. You know, it's interesting. Um, AI, I decided I was going to name it Al. You know, I just have to give it a real human name. I don't know. It just, <laughs> and I, you true. know, it was a Freudian slip. I ended up using it here too. When I talk to my friends about it, I say, Al, it's not, a, you know, AI is not a human being. It's a, it's AI. It's taking the place of humans. Um. We're already sure. seeing that companies are hiring employees to do remote work rather than in person. And we've been seeing that a lot, um, especially during COVID. And companies realize, hey, you know, we can have workers do whatever they're doing from home and save money. And I've also noticed that um, commercial real estate has suffered as a result of it, too. But um, do you think that working remotely is a more effective method of getting the job done or or is it really that, that companies are saving money by not using physical office space? So I think it's definitely, definitely less productive when people work on Zoom and from the home, because at the end of the day, your home phone rings, you want to make dinner, your kids come home from school. It's extremely, um, you know, I, I, I saw myself during COVID when people work from home, productivity was probably down between 30 and 40%. So I'm definitely not a fan of it. But I would say that with a grain, you know, with it in depending circumstances. So it depends what you do. So if you work for a law firm and it's billable hours and you're billing the hours, then they don't care. Or as long as you're getting the goal accomplished, they don't care. So not everything applies to everyone. But overall, I personally saw that it's definitely a distraction. You know, it's inevitable. If you're a mother working from home and you have kids and school bus and dinner and, and it's just inevitable that, you know, your natural reaction is to respond to it as opposed to you just being at work, not home. You just can't give that same time. 
Um, and the same, you know, the same goes for the guy. If he's, if he's home and he's next to the refrigerator, as opposed to, you know, just being at the office. And it's also the environment, you know, I come into the office, we try to brainstorm, we work together. There's that cohesiveness. Well, that's and, something to be said about teamwork. Yeah. And it's teamwork. So today I had a brainstorming session actually about JCon real estate. We're throwing, we're throwing out, you know, what are we going to do at the event or who should be the main speaker or what type of marketing? Should we do any interesting gimmick that will attract the people to either come or be happy when they come there? But if you have five people and you're looking at each other, it's obviously much more effective than if people are zoomed in and zoomed out. Right. So, right. uh, I'm so, definitely not a fan of uh, of Zoom. Right, right. So, I mean, so the question becomes: I mean, are companies really saving money if uh, employees are less productive, and some may be less productive because they're not working physically in an office? So, are they, in essence, saving? So, I think it's really going to vary per industry, and there's no exact science. Like I said, if it's billable hours and you're putting in your time and the company's happy, or if you're getting your goal accomplished, it's good. Um, I personally did not have a good experience with uh, the people who are. So when we had no choice and it was COVID, we had to comply well, with no the choice regulation. Is no choice. Or if someone is sick, that, you know, that of, of course. But right. um, I also, as a general rule. Agree, that, right. But I do know, also that, agree really with you. Right. So I think it varies on the industry. I do agree with you that a lot of companies took the initiative of uh, pushing Zoom first because of COVID, but then because they realized, you know, they're big outfits and they could save a million dollars a year on rent in the city because a thousand people are working from home now. So, um, but I do see the trend where a lot of the companies are really pushing and forcing their employees to come back to work and enough of Zoom and they're giving them ultimatums, uh, you know, to to come back. So I, I see you know, at the end of the day, and it's not, it happens not to be good just for social skills. Can you imagine, regardless of the amount of money that you earn, if you're sitting three years in your house every day alone, working on a computer instead of interacting with people, it's just not, besides for the fact that it's probably not even. Yeah, I don't, I can't imagine how that could be uh, mentally healthy. Right. Yeah, And besides for, you know, it's not good for the economy also, because if you don't go into work and you don't purchase the food at lunch. You oh, don't... yeah, of course. You know, you don't stop and get some coffee or, or travel. That, yeah, everyone gets affected. Um, she, how can people get in touch with you? Sure. So the easiest way to reach me, my email address is Shia, S-H-E-A, at J-C-C-M. P, as in marinepark.org. I can also be reached at the office at 718-407-1832. But again, email is always best. Shia, S-H-E-A, at jccmp.org. Or for the JCon, it would be attendjcon.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Right. You do great work, as I have seen it with my own eyes. Thank you, and keep up your amazing work. You have done thank you um, such a you, you've been a fantastic force when it comes to helping the singles in uh, New York and even outside the five boroughs on Long Island. So you've been a major force 
in pushing, you know, the singles to make that step forward in life. And it doesn't go unnoticed. You're, you're synonymous when it comes to, you know, helping individuals that are looking for a shidduch or, you know, a mentor in that space. And it's always, of course, been an honor to partner with you in this endeavor and uh, looking forward to many years of working together on all the initiatives that really, really help all Yisrael. Thank you so much. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.